That's the title? Bullish or bullshit, boys? It's a title. We got to make a decision. Okay. All right. Let's look at let's lock in our answers. Can you use the title in a sentence, please? <laughs> well, hello everybody and welcome to this edition of the Crypto Basic Podcast. My name is Kareem Baruch and I'm here joined by Brent Philbin. Hey, what is going on everybody? And Michael Lucky. Hey, 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 how's it going? And thanks again for joining us. You're listening to our Friday flagship episode. This is Friday flagship number 53, also known as season two, episode one, if you're a Netflixer. <laughs> <laughs> this is, this gonna is be re- our 140, uh, 147th episode, I think. Ooh, the boy. last flagship was 147 on the last outline. No, no, I, nope, that was, this is 147. I just wrote, okay. I wrote that. I just wrote it on the wrong outline. All right, well, now that we're done flexing, let me tell you what our flagship is all about. Just in case you're here for the first time, this is where we cover cryptocurrency news and events. Look at the week in review. But before we get into it, uh, what do we have coming up, guys? I think we have a little special episode that should be in the production process, editing Yeah, process. we were going to have that. It, we were going to have that out on Thursday, but it took a little longer to edit than other episodes because it was over an hour and a half long. Uh, pre-edited. I don't know what it's going to be after we're, we're done editing it, but we have The Crypties. It is the official award show of the entire cryptocurrency space. Uh, basically, we nominated and voted for everything ourselves. Very decentralized as far as the <laughs> podcast listeners are, or uh, hosts are concerned. And we have uh, categories that you're going to be interested in. There's some crypto basic specific ones. There's some other ones we give out some great categories. We name some of them after people uh, that you may be familiar with. We gamify it a little bit. We don't just a have a list of-, of awards, you know, so you'll see us disagree a little bit and and there's some twists and turns. Oh, let's not spoil too much. I put on though, a sport coat. Yeah, this, this is true. <laughs> yeah, but I ruined the video, so you'll never see it. All right. And anything else we want to hit up before we get into the news? Oh, no. Uh, we do. We have another guest confirmed for our um, our content creator panel. That we're recording on January 16th. I don't know when it'll actually be released. Somewhere around there. But uh, we now it uh, Matthew from the Crypto 101. Matthew Aaron from the Crypto 101 podcast is back. He's going to be on that panel. He's going to join Crypto Candor and Joel Com from the Bad Crypto podcast. And we're uh, looking. We we will try to get a fourth person in there, or else it'll just be me. <laughs> I think we'll get a fourth. I, I am talking to a couple of different people that I don't want to spoil. But those are our confirmed guests for that. Fantastic. Panel. You are getting a sneak peek into the Crypto Basic panel on content creation through these markets. And now this. Michael, we want to talk about our... Uh, I don't want to spoil too much, but I believe Horizon was nominated for one of our award categories. That's all I'll say. That's it. No more Oh, previews. they were nominated for more than that. Uh, well, ah, uh, Brent... This is why we can't have this nice things. This is why we can't have nice things. Literally what I was about to say, Michael. Thank you so much. Mike, You're welcome. can you tell us a little bit about Horizon? I heard you go went into the rabbit hole on this one. Yeah. I noticed a tweet somehow and ended up eyes on the Horizon uh, t- official Twitter account, and they released a tweet saying that they have a delivered prototype for the Dow Treasury and voting system. So <laughs> immediately- so immediately I was like, all right, well, here goes about an hour of my time. Let's go. And 
All right, hold was, on. While Mike's talking about this, somebody email Rob. We're gonna, <laughs> I saw this was a 50-page paper, so we're going to need some explanations here. We're not smart enough to read 50 pages. Yeah, and I tried to glance through that PDF, um, and it'll be linked in the show notes, but the, the actual research paper that gets released here is very thick and very dense and uh, very intelligent, I'm sure, and probably very research-intensive, probably very well done. All right, so let's get started here. Um, we know that IOHK has collaborated with Lancaster University, that's out of the UK, and they've been looking to develop the on-chain decentralized autonomous organization treasury system, the DAO treasury system. They're attempting to engage and involve the community in the funding decisions for the project, which, you know, that's something we've been very excited about. You know, we've covered a few different treasury systems in the past. They released their research paper called A Treasury System for Cryptocurrencies, Enabling a Better Collaborative Intelligence. So, yeah, I immediately, you know, that sticks out as something that we are going to have to spend some more time on than what this flagship is going to cover. And it went immediately into five little distinctions that it had that it wants to solve, the five problems that it wants to solve, um, proposal submission, committee selection, randomness generation, rewards payments, and deposit paybacks. Now, this is kind of a, a, a section of things that need to be considered. And then they went into what is the actual steps involved in this treasury model. And I believe uh, seven steps for the actual workflow. There is a funding pool that will be available. Now, obviously, um, every company is going to have the funding pool created differently. Every DAO is going to have a different funding pool. But once the funding pool is established, that's step one. Step two, stakeholders can submit a proposal and the stakeholders can review all the proposals. So anybody with, with stake in the network can submit proposals. Now, to vote on the, on the proposals, you actually have to deposit a stake of Zen and that'll allow you to participate in the voting process. Now, I, I had a question um, that I was curious in your guys' thoughts, something that I thought of with this. Do you think the deposit of the Zen would scale with voting rights? So we're going to get into a, a little detail here that we've discussed in the past, but basically you're going to be able to point your votes to people that you trust and you're going to allow – you delegate your votes to others. So – do do you guys think it makes sense that somebody with a larger influence would need to have a larger stake in the deposit? Because to me, that seems like there seems like a lot of gamifications involved otherwise. I don't know. My guess from reading this, Mike, is that they're just going to be depositing the amount that they're voting because if voting is going to be stake weighted. So if somebody's depositing one vote, maybe what they're using to the to vote has to be deposited for the course of that election. So if you have a hundred votes, you have to deposit a hundred times as much as somebody that so has one it, vote. So it would need to scale. Like uh, we, this is why this is why I was like sure that we would have to have Rob on talk about this because we I the 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 bulk of this story is going to be that we know there's a, a new DAO system that's been released, but we don't really know enough about it. I, I did not even – none of this came from the research paper. I, I want to be clear about that. Yeah. This came from the articles discussing that there is a research paper, right? So right. this is this is very elementary level research. This was – I found this this morning um, and I'm not going to – I'm not going to swear that everything is accurate. I, I easily misread things. But um, these are you know some of the facts that I've found so far. And you're absolutely right. We are going to need Rob because this is going to be very complex and there's no other way about it. Yeah, it, it, I'm wondering if there's like a voting period where you have to lock up 
some of your votes for that period, meaning that you can only vote with money that you're willing to lock up and you can only use money for like if you have, uh, let's say, uh, 100,000 Zen, you can put 50,000 votes toward the proposal that means the most to you. And then you can put like three towards one that means the least to you or something like that. And then you have, you know, 47,000. Yeah, that, that's right. Minutes. There's a lot of proposals. Maybe maybe you're voting. I'm influence. making that up, but that, that right, sounds yeah. like it could be that. It's hypothetical. Hmm. So a, f- a few more features to the actual process. So so there's when step one, have a funding pool. Step two, submitting proposals. Step three, um, the people that have stake in the network and own Zen can review and vote on the proposals. Voting can be delegated to trusted users and the voters are paid. That was something that was very important and Robin oh. mentioned in the past. You have, you have to pay people for their participation. It's the only, the only game theory optimal solution that, you know, most systems have found to solve voter apathy. But you have to do it in such a way that it doesn't become steam it, you know? You have to do right. it in such a way that it's like, all right, I will take the time to look at this and vote instead of I'm going to go make a bot that'll look at every one of these and vote on every one of these no matter what. Well, so. that's part of the delegation process too, Brent, though, right? People are going to be able to claim voting rewards after they delegate their vote to a node that they trust. And those – you can't have a bot with no steam it in the account essentially, right? So like you, you, your voting rights increase based on how much demand you have. Somebody with a lot of Zen can delegate a lot of voting rights. But you can't just make a bunch of empty wallets and delegate a vote because the empty wallets have no Zen in them. And I would imagine there's no benefit to having five Zen in 100 accounts as opposed to having 500 Zen in one super node for voting purposes. No, for voting, I'm sure it's just total Zen. Maybe there's a sliding scale because I know like there was talk about, you know, one Zen, one vote might, you know, be too plutocratic. So if there's some sort of sliding scale, that could be interesting. I'm sure it slides after a node, though. Like, if you get to 500, maybe that's, you know, you need to have another node or I don't know. It Lots of interesting questions that I have about it. For sure. And uh, so the last couple details here. So the votes are weighted according to the stake and they're not public. So See, you're not going to know who is voting for what. Why isn't this every vote? Why, why do we get to know the fucking outcome of our election while voting is still open in the United States? Like, it's, I don't know, like the... I like the idea that the votes are And that's something that the ZK snarks or other protocols are trying to solve, right? Like you can have a zero knowledge proof. You can have the not the answer is somewhere, but it doesn't need to be known by anybody until a certain time, right? You can see the people are voting, you just don't know what they're voting on. And then last but not least, uh, the votes get counted and the proposal then gets approved and denied. So it's a seven step process. Um, I found this as a really interesting, you know, idea. We, it's something we've been excited about for a while and I hope they continue to develop this and work on it and improve. Yeah, it's pretty cool. All right, guys, that's going to cover our Horizon Dow treasury system. Uh, why don't we move on to Kareem? And this article was in Time Magazine, I believe. And I didn't know that there was a Time Magazine article, but I'm happy that we're able to cover it. And, you know, what did they have to say? Well, they have one question for you, Mike. Why does Bitcoin matter for freedom? That is the title of this article. And it's not really a question, it's a statement, but the article is actually pretty good. I got to give credit <laughs> I didn't to. actually even ask a question. Yeah. I got to give credit to Brent. He was actually the one that found this and uh, sent it my way. And the article opens up by. So, you know how sometimes they have a video at the top of the article? So I'm going to break down the article, but I want to do a little thing about the video. They have a guy from some capital management uh, firm, 
and he, or from money. And he says that he, the official position of money is that investing in Bitcoin is a bad idea. It's a bad investment. But here's the, the thing that made me laugh. His actual quote afterwards is like, if you think Bitcoin might be a good investment, I would remind you that at the beginning of the year, it was 20000 and now it's 10000 So that's really all you need to know. Yeah, I fucking wish. I wish it was What 10, a good investment that would be. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's like... That's really all we need to know, buddy. That's how yeah, that's how your firm concluded because of the price. Yep. Okay, fair Sounds enough. Sounds like somebody I mean, we should I'll, definitely invest in. Listen, I I'm going to play devil's advocate for just a second. Obviously, that is not how you create investing advice, and I am not going to offer investing advice because this show does not have investing advice. However, um, you know, if you don't understand what the reason for a 10k 20k to 10k drop in price then yeah you probably like if that's all that you care about then you shouldn't be here bitcoin isn't an investment in my opinion i get like, I, I, I get what you're saying my the i guess the part I, that annoys me with this guy is that he's on there as an expert so this is yeah. like the least the least information that he can provide is saying you know that it's not it's like he's basically giving bad investment advice because if I actually listen to him as an expert, I'm also saying, ah, okay, so fluctuations in price are indicative of good investment. So, so you have to game select with your choices of, of research, huh? Uh yeah, don't listen yeah. to those these guys. Here here's another thing. I have more respect for the like Warren Buffets of the world that say, Oh, it's just fairy dust. It's nothing. It's not it doesn't exist. Because they at least went to level point zero zero one and saw that it was internet money and they're like ah that's not real this guy didn't even do that he's just like okay look i looked at the price it was 20 now it's 10 all you need to know that's it okay <laughs> he's a car salesman is that a good investment uh, it's really tony montana if he didn't go into uh, anyway you know killing people and so the article actually starts uh, in Cucuta, which is a city on the border of Colombia and Venezuela. And mm -hmm. it's one of the main areas where Venezuelan immigrants are coming into Colombia by the hundreds of thousands. So Let's build a wall. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't think they're going to build that wall. Um, as a reminder, I know we talked about this, but inflation in Venezuela, guys, projected to top, I think it was over a million percent. That means yes. that if you had a million dollars in life savings... It's worth one, one, <laughs> a unit of one of whatever well, we're talking in, about. In a percent, in, it would take. In I Venezuela, mean, it would be uno. <clears throat> uno. Th thank you. Mm -hmm. uh, three million Venezuelans <laughs> have left the country, guys. Three million Venezuelans have left the country, and we have 5,500 leaving every Let's single day. Let's try to day. put Venezuela into some perspective because I really don't have any perspective of it. Like, what is. What was like the population five years ago versus now? Like, Ooh, that's a good question. My guess is that the population, like, what does three million in the population mean in relative? Terms? I would guess that Venezuela's population <clears throat> was somewhere around 30 million. I'm sure we can do like a quick Google. That's actually probably bigger than I expected, but it's still 10% of the population leaving. Like, to me, that says a lot. Might be a little. They have 40 million now. So interestingly enough, I Googled it and it is on a chart with Colombia and Ecuador uh, as like, – I, I see that chart. So <laughs> that's kind of interesting. You can see the correlation. But uh, yeah, it's been um, – Well, this chart also says the population's rising. It stops in 2009. So the, mm, the okay. chart stops in 2009, but the population is – Okay, so we might be in the high million. 30s. 
Oh, currently at thirty-one million. Yeah, so it's only gone. It's uh, so, so from two thousand nine to two thousand seventeen, it only went up uh, like four million. So it's possible it went significantly above that and then came back down. Right. right. Well, anyway, the, at this it's point, a very positive correlation in population. Otherwise, yeah, and at this point, it's basically a mass exodus, right? Yeah. And the government's uh, basically attempts to steal from the population have gotten more and more, uh, let's say, surveillancey. So they already. You know, they already did things like change the Petro, you know, print more money, all those things. They changed people's pensions into the Petro. And now another thing that they're doing is they're dipping their hand into the remittances. So if you send money to your relative in Venezuela from the United States, the government is dipping their hand on that. And they were doing the... Uh, quoted an expert that was saying a dollar sent from the U.S. to Venezuela can lose as much as 56% in fees, a wire transfer. That's why they're sending nano. Correct. Yeah, yeah. And one more thing, guys, to make it so bad. Another thing that the Venezuelan banks have done under the government's direction is if you were trying to access your bank account in Venezuela from outside Venezuela, so let's say you came to the United States, the banks saw the IP and blocked your access, so you wouldn't have access to any of your money. So, uh, and then one of the other alternatives that these people had, it was so bad that they would have people wire their money to a bank in Colombia, cross the border, grab the cash, and then come back and try to cross the border again with all your cash. But then, of course, Jesus. that's dangerous. And now you start but seeing the, the value. But you're also trying to get the currency that's like you're you're getting the bowl of air in Colombia to bring it back to try to like feed your family. And no, stuff? no, no. You would probably get a Colombian peso or U.S. dollar or something like that. So, like in Venezuela, like how many like currencies are really only in one? In theory, it's only the Bolivar. But this is obviously a catastrophic event where I'm sure that people like I'm pretty sure that especially near the border, there are lots of people using Colombian pesos and accepting. So there's them. just like the Colombian pesos are. Just so much more stable oh, yeah, than the bull bear I mean, that they're but, willing to go through all this excessive risk yeah. just to get money in remittances. Yeah, and they don't get the Venezuelan bank stealing 56% of the value. But the, the all of this is to say that really the best option is crypto. Because with crypto, you can send a relative in the U.S. a text message and they can send you for a small fee – Bitcoin or Nano or Dash directly into your private wallet. You could then walk around with that private key. You could walk with it in your phone or you could just memorize it. You could just memorize your private key and you can leave with nothing on you and you have full access to all of this wealth. And then the article goes on to say it's not just Venezuela. If you look at Zimbabwe, President Mugabe was just printing money like crazy. But now it's more difficult for his successors because they can't just print more BTC so people can start moving their assets in that direction. Uh, He talks about China, where Xi Jinping and the Chinese government can oversee all of the payment networks of things like Alipay and WePay, but they can't carry out mass surveillance on the entire Bitcoin network for the entire world. So any economy that moves there is being protected. And they talk about refugee camps, which I hadn't really thought about, but if you're in a refugee camp, you have almost no services or infrastructure. There's definitely not a bank at a refugee yep. camp. But if you have internet connection, you can get access to money from families or relatives or whatever directly. What exactly is a refugee camp? Like, how would you describe it? A that? refugee camp is basically, let's say you have these situations like in Syria, where it's a war-torn nation and you have people leaving by the thousands. So now you have this huge group of people coming in, let's say into Turkey or a European nation, and you're not... You don't want to not let them in, but you also want to let them in. So they create these temporary uh, 
establishments where it's like they're just kind of surviving there. It's a place to see while the situation gets better or you figure out what to do with them. But they're usually I mean yeah, they're limited bad. they're camps. So it's they're, like they're, it's like a it's like it meets local ethical standards and yeah, it's it maybe it, it's just and an like, emergency situation during either war or famine or natural disasters. Refugee camps is just like something you put together as much as you can. I'm sure there's been some really good ones and people that put in a lot of good work, but it's usually a bad situation for the people involved, a terrible situation, you know? Um, And anyway, so this is to show around the world all of the different places where this can have an impact. And one of the things that was cool is that they put it in the context of not just of cryptocurrencies, but of decentralized technologies in general, a cryptocurrency just being a part of the decentralized technology revolution. They talk about how you can have encrypted communication uh, with apps like Tor and I mean, with apps like Signal and browsers like Tor, uh, how we're now starting to get decentralized privacy coins with Zcash and Monero. Um, And then this, I actually really love this, guys, and I want to file this in the back of my head for future conversations I have with people about Bitcoin, because I hadn't really thought about this this way. But when people are Bitcoin skeptical, one of the arguments that this article makes is that we are headed towards a cashless world, whether we like it or not. All of the world's governments are pushing slowly towards a world where there's less and less cash because things that are electronic are easier to keep track of, are easier to censor, are easier to control, are easier to surveil, right? So if the world is going towards a cashless world, whether we like it or not, then we're going to need some type of digital thing that can give you the freedom that cash gives you. So even if somebody doesn't buy into a lot of the stuff about Bitcoin, if they value cash, which I think a lot of people do, then you can kind of open their eyes about how, hey, this might be the only cash-like thing we have in 30 years when cash is gone, you know? Just something to think about. And that that quote you have right there. Yeah. So Nicholas Nassim Talib, a friend of the show in the sense that we've talked about him before. He would probably love us. We just haven't gotten around to meeting or contact him in any way. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But anyway, uh, his quote was, Bitcoin is an insurance policy against an Aurelian future. And I like that. Again, as a reminder, Aurelian Future here referencing the novel 1984, George Orwell, a you know very dystopian view of a government that controls and oversees everything. Um, and then last thing, just a little sobering statistic. Wait, before you move on, I it's super cool that he has that opinion on Bitcoin because I didn't know what his opinion on crypto was. I never looked it up, which... I just saw that quote and I'm like, how did I never look that up? Because I've read his yeah. books. Who said it again? Uh, uh, Nassim Nassim Talib. Talib. He's he's uh he wrote The Black Swan, he wrote Anti Fragile. Like we've definitely recommended his books before, just as like good reads, not necessarily crypto related. And now I see that he has a positive view on crypto. I don't know how I missed that. So thank you for finding that quote. I'm excited. Mm-hmm. And my aunt knows his brother, so maybe like they grew ah, up in Lebanon together. So maybe I got a shot. Make it one happen. Uh and then real quick, guys, I wanted to share this stat and we could just uh, talk about the article. But it says that overall, less than 1% of the people on the planet, that's 40 million, less than 1% have used Bitcoin. And that according to the Human Rights Foundation, more than 50% of the world's population lives under an authoritarian regime. So it's just something to think about. Less than 1% of the world has used Bitcoin. And by the logic of this article... 
about 50% of the na- of the world could truly benefit from this type of freedom. Okay, so real quick, uh, I went on the the population of U.S. states rabbit hole when we were talking about Venezuela. And <laughs> okay, hold listen. on, make it a quiz. Don't don't just tell us. Okay, uh, what's your point? Like, which one is closest? How many states have a l- larger population than Venezuela? Ooh, uh, uh, and it was it, it's probably most of them except like what? Are you insane? Five tops, forty million. 40 million? No way. California does. Um, Florida for definitely sure. does. Um, for, uh, does Florida yeah, have more I'm than 40 million that. people? I don't think so. I think I'm going to go with, I don't know if New York does. I'm going to go with three states have a bigger population. Brent? I would take the massive <clears throat> over. I would go with like 20. Let's go 20. Okay. The answer is one. Oh, damn. Texas has 28 million. Oh, it was California only? So, yeah, California has 39. How many states have. More than three million people. Oh, uh, probably. And so the article sticking said with my twenty million, answer, Bob. Three million people have left Venezuela to go to Colombia. That was the estimate. Yeah. No, no. Okay, three so, million people have left Venezuela. Oh, period. Anywhere. Yeah, yeah. Okay, have just so, mass exodus. Yeah. So we had we had a country that is bigger than Texas in population. Have ten percent of its population flee the country. How many states have more than three million people in it? I would say. Probably like 28, 30 states have more than 3 million people. I'm going with 20. Sticking with 20, Bob. 33 have more than 3 million people. Arkansas has 30, at 33rd has 13,000 more than 3 million. So that means from Mississippi down, there's 18 states that would that, have been or totally 17 evacuated. states that would be just eliminated from this conversation. They're just gone. 17 states in America – their entire population had to flee because of a dictator. Like what? <laughs> I, I, like to me, like I just I don't even understand that. Like, like listen, it's a big deal internationally, right? And like we end up back in these stories, but I want to try to provide a little perspective. Like this is why we talk about Venezuela so much. This is why we care about Bitcoin. It's so much of an international thing. This is why we have crypto around the world. You know, this is you know I could thank Kareem a lot for this. This is just like I don't know. This story was tough for me. No, yeah, it is It is a big number, and it's also um, – I think we may have told this story on the show, but I'm not 100% sure. But when Brent and I went in Thailand, we got to go in the VIP room, which was kind of cool, even though we didn't belong there. But we – in the back, you could hear Charles talking with another group of people. We didn't know who it was. But he was very adamant about – he had this vision about how for crypto to take over, it's going to take over where it needs to take over. He's like, I don't care how much you think it's happened. You're just not going to get – people in Europe and in England and in the US and stuff like that to just stop using Venmo to use a more complicated, you know, wildly fluctuated. It's just not going to happen. But he's like the places where this is actually needed, where people are almost dependent on this to survive or to create a new economy. That's where crypto is going to blossom. And so, yeah, stories like this reinforce that position. But let's liven things up a little bit. By getting Brent to talk about one of his favorite topics, scammers be scamming, Brent. Who are they scamming today? I don't – so I don't go looking for these, just to be clear. It's not like every week. <laughs> yeah, they, they always find they, him. They find you. I know. We know. They, they clearly stand out while I'm looking at articles, but I'm not trying to just go around finding idiots. Uh, they, they find me. <laughs> so there's this guy, Bitcoin-fund-manager on YouTube. 
that is going around. He posts like eight videos a day. They're always like a minute long. They're really shitty. It's just him like talking about whatever the fuck he's talking about. Um, and and somebody had posted on Reddit. They're like, hey, this, this guy is like trying to get people to send him 10 Bitcoin a piece. Uh, you, you know, if you try to contact him, please make sure you don't send this to this guy because he has a long history of scamming. When they said long history, I was not ready for what I saw. <laughs> Holy fuck. Okay, this guy, he, he was in the U.S. before. Now he's in Korea. He's in Korea saying he's like a billionaire. He's doing like the Ty Lopez, you know, style, you know, oh, I've got a lot of money. Listen to me. So, I, and, and it's funny is YouTube has even recommended this guy to me. They're like, based on your subscriptions of Crypto Candor, you should watch and this And Ty guy. Lopez. Yeah, apparently I Ty Lopez. Yeah. Ty Lopez is all over my Facebook. It tells me what people have liked his stuff. And I remember sending it to Brent and be like, I have a list of friends that have liked Ty Lopez. Am I obligated to go out of my way to say like, hey, do you guys know who this guy really is? And like, it's a weird thing. Yeah. Well, you can, he can be whatever you want him to be. He's like a... You know, he's whatever you want to call that. He's a walking horoscope. So this guy is kind of doing the same thing. So here is this this fucking Bitcoin fund manager idiot's past. Uh, Mike, look at this picture. Obviously, this guy's a scammer. Continue, Brent. (laughs) (laughs) He used to go to businesses and then ask them if they wanted exposure and then go take videos of himself in the business and then say he owned it. (laughs) (laughs) so and here are some of the highlights of the things that he has purported to be an expert at on other channels in the past uh he had a video on how to make a dragon ball z fireball like a fucking hadouken kamihamiha oh my god hadouken stop it hadouken is street fire i understand i was too brent meha meha i i I specifically said it right after that all right and then Another one of the scams that he would do is he would go buy phone cards, do a bunch of SEO for, like, supercharged phone cards, and then sell the phone cards that he bought as supercharged ones, but they were just the same ones. And he also said he was a monk. He he had an unconscious language learning course that happened in your sleep. So if you want to learn Spanish, all you got to do is put his shit on and go to sleep. Uh, He... Was also apparently an expert on plastic surgery at one point. Oh, that's nice. He was also a wedding planner, and those, of course, go hand in hand, so he's got some synergy with his businesses there. Uh, He was involved with robotics manufacturing. He would also give Korean dating advice, and he was a web developer where he would take $7,500 deposits and then not develop anything. Wow. So he's on to crypto again. He, He was in crypto a little bit ago. He's back on crypto. One of the... I, like, decided to watch one of his videos. He... He starts off the video, he's just like calm and somber, and he's like, you know, have you ever gone to lunch with somebody, and then after lunch, they've said to you, boy, we should go get lunch. Have you ever gone to dinner with somebody, and they've after dinner, they've said, we should go get dinner? This is a legitimate concern. This is called Alzheimer's, and Alzheimer's is a very serious mental disease, and all of you who care about Bitcoin's price have it, because you say Bitcoin is going down, and Bitcoin already went down but you don't remember it because you have alzheimer's and he's just like dead serious panning alzheimer's into the camera he's just like no you have alzheimer's you need me so of course i emailed the guy uh and i was like hey i really love this space i need some assistance and they emailed me back like you have a couple of options here we can find and invest in blockchain projects for you uh before the ico even before the pre-sale 
or we do the trading for you 24 hours a day securely in caps. These are such Um, good deals. Number one is more profitable, but if you have less than 10 Bitcoin, you're required to learn it on your own. So if you have 10 Bitcoin, reach back out to us. And this is just what I got like from my initial contact. We're going to keep this going. Um, And if you don't, then you have to go to this other website that is about signals and then pay to join that website. And then you can learn how to do the trading on your own, which requires 24-hour trading all day, every day. And if you're not willing to do it all day, every day, you're not going to make money. So you need to go with them. Every every little uh, clip art for his videos is like just pictures of charts and drawings and rulers. And then every once in a while, it breaks up with him being like, real intrinsic value, Bitcoin, zero. Last real-time update. Chart, 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 chart. <laughs> and it's it's literally like eight to ten a day. So, and and the th- his laundry list of scams is so long. Like I don't understand how this guy is not in prison. Well, I, I can tell you exactly why he's not in prison because it's flooding, right? Like, and, and if it's a lot of like, if he puts out eight videos a day and like a couple of them are malicious and the other six are luring people in. People that are researching this, the YouTube or whoever, like it's going to be hard, I would imagine, for them to like the all the fluff they have to go through. And, and if all these short videos that are fine, but a couple are just kind of like, eh, I don't know. It seems like a, probably a way of beating the algorithm. Yeah, I, maybe that maybe that is why he's doing that. I don't know. But still, he's done so many other scams in the past. He's got multiple names. We've got the links in the show notes to all his previous scams. I'm not going to link you to his YouTube channel. I would prefer that you don't go there. Guys, it's it's pretty simple. It's the Donald Trump uh, maneuver. <laughs> Just keep committing bigger scams, <laughs> and they can't catch up <laughs> with the investigation. And then, all right, so this guy's going to be president in 2028. All right, I got it. Uh, all right, Brent. Well, thank you for finding this scammer for us. It's really good stuff. You're going to link to all his information and you're going to take his course and let us know and uh, send him 10 Bitcoin. Are you going to do like the John Oliver thing? We're going to keep corresponding and like make a blog out of oh, it. Oh, yeah. And, like- I'm going to talk to this motherfucker. I'm going to see if I can get a call. <laughs> if we were John Oliver, we would totally have the 10 Bitcoin to give him yeah. to be able to like no, no, no. trace it somehow, all we have to do but- is find a wallet and then show him be like this is my wallet see i have all this yeah. bitcoin <laughs> we'll set up satoshi's wallet address <laughs> yeah or 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 have the money but just be terrible at transferring <clears throat> the money so he just has to like painstakingly walk you through everything and you just keep messing up <laughs> yeah you ask him to repeat the the public wallet like yeah. three times yes. and then you end up sending the bitcoin to the wrong address quote unquote <laughs> uh sorry anyway Crypto is very funny, guys, even without scammers. But now we need to take it outside of America. We need to go crypto around the world. And we're going to go to our traveler in chief, the crypto chef, Philbin. For the next story. Well, a couple things here. One, we just screwed up me doing two stories back to back. Two, Meh. we probably should have had Venezuela when we were talking about around the world. But we didn't. I guess it was a Time magazine, which is not really around the world. So here we are. Let's talk about the Thai government. They are working on a blockchain voting solution. It's not the first time we've heard about this. And we have talked about the implications of blockchain in voting. And I just thought it was interesting that this is actually not – this isn't a company in Thailand that is hoping the Thai government will accept and use them. This is the Thailand National Electronics and Computer Technology Center. 
which is a unit of the Ministry of Science and Technology, and they already completed development of their system for blockchain-based voting. Um, and they're looking for trials, basically. So we know that from the past, a lot of these are going to tr- do trials with university elections or really small local municipality elections, and that's the, how they're going to test it as well. But this seems a little bit further along than a lot of the other stuff that we've seen. And one of the implications that they mentioned in the article that I hadn't really thought about before, was, and and I, I don't think it happened, uh, West Virginia was trying to implement something so that the uh, soldiers overseas could vote via blockchain on an app in the midterms. They didn't complete it, but I, I don't think, because I didn't hear about it. But the article made it I, I heard something in California, too, um, for a midterm election, but I don't know if it successfully went or not. Yeah, the interesting thing is I hadn't thought about the fact that you can have U.S. citizens or whatever country citizens abroad voting this way because i don't know if you can vote if you just happen to be in korea during the midterm elections like not on a military base i'm sure they have infrastructure set up for the military personnel to vote but not if you're just a citizen that's not there like you can't mail in the ballot from there you can't do anything and there's a there's a process usually is there really you to vote when you're outside of the country yeah well it's probably not easy what if it was an app we would get more participation i agree no i agree with you so anyway this is super cool what if we paid him to vote what if that's it. That, that was that was the whole thing. Just the Thai government's doing that. And I saw Thai as like one of the top articles, so I grabbed it. Brent, uh, I also want to thank you. I know that, uh, you know, talking about the Thai government is not something you're normally comfortable with. It took a lot of bravery. So thank you for that. <laughs> good, good information. All right. No, when I, you know what? Uh, let's explain that now. So <laughs> why, I don't think we've talked about this on the show. While we're in Thailand... On the way over there, I told Kareem, like, you can't, like, talk about the king in Thailand because it's, like, a, he, he almost revered as a god. But but my girlfriend had told me, like, you can't say anything bad about the king. Like, never, ever, ever. So we're in a bar drinking with these guys in Thailand that uh, happen to speak great English. They're cool. They're giving us all these recommendations for places we can go eat. Uh, the, the, the owner of the bar stays open late so we can keep drinking there. And... Uh, and then Kareem is like, so uh, you guys like the king or what? I'm like, what? no, no, no. Of course I like the king. I don't like trying to quiet him down. I'm like, what are you doing? I didn't say, do you guys like the king or what? <laughs> so I, how about that I, great king, guys? Yeah, okay. By the way, Mike, this is this is how this is how uh, it plays out in Brent's head. You know, I'm Brent, summarizing. Brent's I'm summarizing. My, we don't need the whole conversation. Question, my question was simply whether so it you, was Brent. a constitutional monarchy or like if the king actually you know whatever and the guy made a comment like oh no yeah we're monarchy but uh and then he just kind of went like that and then i remember brent's comment and i was like oh okay it's not like i kept going like what you don't like him (laughs) it was definitely no uh we were drunk there was a little bit of a pry i don't know listen kareem obviously can have that conversation at a level that i couldn't comprehend right like like i would feel totally comfortable letting kareem even if he's had a couple beers open that door well, let <laughs> me put you, this Mike. into perspective, Mike. No, the no. I hope I just like I hope I just awesomely like set up the next part of this story. the story. No, just just to drive the point home. Like a week ago, the Miss Universe pageant happened in Thailand, and the Thai Miss Universe had a dress on that was made by the daughter of the king, or it may have been a niece, but I think it was a daughter. And the person who was announcing didn't know that, and they said it looked like shit, 
and they got arrested. So, so yeah, that's that's the territory we were in there. And I was like, oh. so this guy, this guy supports blockchain voting. Uh, no, the king doesn't really not for his position. I assure you, the king doesn't really do a whole lot, as far as I understand it. I don't know. I don't want to get in trouble and never be allowed back in Thailand. So uh, <laughs> that's true. Good point. So. Um, it is on. a constitutional monarchy, I believe. So, so there is a parliament and all that stuff. But, but you just don't say bad stuff about the king. I love, I love the Thai king. It's king number nine I, or, or ten. King number just ten. Just to be clear, I was not saying bad stuff. King number I'm just nine an, was great. Too. An inquisitive person. I was yeah, yeah, you, man, interested in their culture. He was asking questions. I would have, but, but, but you don't ask those questions. No, no, no. I think I would have if I had a couple beers with me. I would have, especially if I was told not my, to ask. My, I, and I met really cool guys that I felt comfortable asking cool, about. It. This guy was totally cool. We were sharing each other's lives. He's like, "What's it like being cool dudes in the U.S.?" And we're like, "What's yeah, it like exactly. being a cool dude in Thailand?" It was a cool conversation. It was all cool. <laughs> all right, but Mike, I believe I'm on the other side of the coin. You're about to play my favorite game, bullish or bullshit. Tell us what you bring brought it away. I haven't read down at all. I want to be able to play is the this game. Bullish? I don't know. No, it's Brent's, just... you, you skipped my article. Oh, Mike, you're gonna play bullish or bullshit with me. It's gonna be awesome. But before we do that, <laughs> <laughs> can you tell us a little bit about Overstock? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I love you guys. All right, so. Uh, the all right, and we can do bullshit bullshit on this too if you want. I I wasn't sure what I was thinking, but uh, <laughs> Overstock is going to pay a portion of their taxes in Bitcoin. I guess I actually already edited the title to make it more uh, bullish. So yeah, that doesn't work this time around. Sorry guys. <laughs> uh, so basically, just to recap, um, Ohio is the first state to offer the ability to pay for your taxes in Bitcoin and Overstock.com has decided to be the first company to take advantage of that. Now, they are a publicly traded company in the US. Their NASDAQ ticker is OSTK. And there's a website that was created by the Ohio government called OhioCrypto.com, which is the company that, or which is the website where you can pay your taxes in various cryptocurrencies. More specifically, uh, Overstock is paying their commercial activity tax, which is a cat. I'm not familiar with that. Um, so I got a couple quotes here from the CEO and founder of Overstock, uh, Patrick Byrne, who I think is going to be a reoccurring name on this show. I know he's already made a couple appearances in uh, the Friday flagship, but I like the future of this. And uh, here's a couple of his quotes. We have long thought that thoughtful government adoption of emerging technologies such as cryptocurrencies, when accompanied by non-restrictive legislation over these technologies, is the best way to ensure the U.S. does not lose our place at the forefront of an ever-advancing global economy. He also adds, we are proud to partner with forward-thinking governments and officials like Ohio and Treasurer Mandel to help usher in an era of trust through technology for our nation's essential financial systems. Boom. So, I mean, this is kind of what Overstock has stood for. Um, and just another recap of a reminder, Overstock.com was the first major retailer to start accepting crypto for purchases back in 2014. And that was also the year that they founded their Medici Adventures, which is their blockchain subsidiary country, uh, bah, company that is focused on applying blockchain technologies to the existing industries that already exist. The Medici Adventure oversees a global portfolio of 19 companies, and 
you know, I went down this rabbit hole a few times with Lumaflux, and and this is something that's been brought to my attention a few times, something I've been intending to research more. And uh, Medici Adventures is heavily involved in Ravencoin, which is uh, RVN. And I liked that this press release failed to mention that. It was something that this is not – they don't pump their things. It is a bunch of little companies, and they're working on small problems. And I know for – I know that – uh, Medici Adventures pays the developers for the open source project Raven and keeps keeps it funded and it's just overseeing the whole thing. Um, this is something I think is going to come up a few more times this year. And I think we should probably, you know, find time to, you know, do a 101 on Raven at least. So as a quick side note, totally not important, but I got to plug it in since I'm the official history guy of Crypto Basic. Medici Ventures is a nice little uh, old school plug. The Medici's were like the Rockefellers of old school Italy. So this is like saying like the biggest baller investment ventures. You know, it's like saying Rockefeller Ventures or something like that. It's pretty sweet. Pretty cool. Yeah, this guy is. I mean, that's kind of what they're trying to be, right? Like they're, you know, I've researched, you know, a few of the companies that they have their, their hand in and. They're just solving little problems, but they're not trying to solve big problems. Yeah, you got to solve the little problems in order to solve the big problems. And you know, I really like what they're doing. Yeah. If there's any uh, Renaissance or medieval pa- uh, Renaissance painting that you like, there's a good chance that Medici paid for it. <laughs> <laughs> so now let's play our game. Brent, you are going to play this game. You're going to lead the way. I believe it's called Bullish or Bullshit. And you're taking us all the way to outer space. Bitcoin in space, bullish bullshit. Okay. I mean, <laughs> before we take a guess, I, I don't know what I'm saying bullish or bullshit at. I, I'm going to read the title. Well, this is just a, uh, that was just a. Oh, uh, I thought that was the title. Nah, okay. Nah, nah. Okay. Here is the title of the Reddit post. Uh, therefore, I guess the article, if you want to call it that. Um, title, while everyone is focusing on Bitcoin price, very few realize the significance of the Bitcoin satellites in orbit which is a full node and provides access to the Bitcoin network without the need for internet access. That's the title? Yes. Bullish or bullshit, boys. Wait, what do you mean without internet access? They're direct beaming. Like, these are, are these the low uh, satellites? Like, I know some people talk about, was it Google or Elon Musk talked about? It's the title. We got to make a decision. Okay. All right. <clears throat> can you use the title? Let's, look at, let's lock in can, our answers. Can you use the title in a sentence, please? <laughs> <laughs> Did I have the country of origin? Um, okay. Right, While everyone is focusing on Bitcoin price, very few realize the Bitcoin satellites in orbit, which is a full node and provides access to the Bitcoin without the need to, but it's in orbit. All right. I'm going to call bullshit. All right. Kareem's got bullshit. I'm calling bullish. And Mike's going. Do we bullish. want to defend our positions? Yeah, why, Kareem? Why'd go? you go with bullshit? Um, because I don't understand how. Well, the fact that you have a full node is not even like um that big of a deal, in my opinion. But I, I don't understand how they're talking about giving direct access without internet. Um, because the balloons that I had heard about that could do that were like sub they're not in space if that makes sense they were like they're not even really satellites as much as like i think they're like internet balloons or something i don't know how this operates i hadn't heard i hadn't really heard of this which i feel like i don't know i'm just my instincts are going off you're making a funny voice i don't know i'm just not buying it i'm not buying it brent mike what do you what about you i actually i so i think the thing that stood out to me is the fact that the title is really obnoxious um (laughs) 
And I feel like Brent was using his bullshit voice, so I'm taking the counter approach. I felt like he was trying to influence action with his with his uh, speaking voice. So, with those two things, I am hoping that this is a bullish article. Wow! So Mike's going super meta. Forget the article; <clears throat> it's the way it was delivered. All right. So the actual answer is both. Um, there is a lot of dumb shit in that title, and I, I actually it. don't know what the internet access uh without internet access is a really tricky way to word that because you could theoretically access it via only satellite but isn't that like basically internet if they mean 3g or 4g then yes i i i i demand that you change this to bullshit no i in in theory i think you could do it on a satellite phone so I, I I don't know that it that it is bullshit as far as that's concerned. Oh well, that's significant. That's significant. I mean, if you can have a phone that doesn't have internet access and somehow access a wallet, I take it back. So anyway, this is the, Blockstream has now leased five separate satellites. They haven't launched them. Apparently, you can just lease out satellite space. I didn't know this, but yeah, you can. And sometimes you have to get them sent up first. But some of them are up there just not doing anything, waiting for you to. Bu- buy space on them so uh the so they've got or, or doing a million things of which you can lease some kind of space on right yeah so they've got <laughs> another possible <laughs> interpretation i was like i'm pretty sure they're not doing nothing they're definitely yeah, floating. <laughs> we got a bunch of satellites up there just chilling hey what you doing <laughs> nothing i haven't been leased <laughs> welcome to ron's satellite shop we got all kinds of satellites uh, yeah. big satellites small satellites come on man at least, satellites you're looking come for. on lease a satellite man we haven't used this satellite in two years man just lease it for a little bit okay <laughs> rob the jewelry store you want to run a note a on this satellite bro come on I'll give you a discount <laughs> continue man <laughs> Look, these satellites are Lightning Network enabled, so you can even go up there and mess around with Lightning Network. It, they do with the launch of the fit or with the not launch, but the lease of the fifth satellite. They now have the full Bitcoin network on them. So in theory, you could kind of access that, you know, at any time, even if the Earth blew up, as long as they were still out in space somewhere. Um, and, well, I guess the Earth blew up. They're probably close enough to also blow up, but like, you know what I'm saying. So, but the bullshit part, while everyone is fo- is focusing on Bitcoin price, not everyone is focusing on Bitcoin price. Very few realize the significance. I'm pretty sure some people realize the significance, uh, and we don't. And Jerry's out on the internet access semantics. But uh, yeah, so indeterminate. I I kind of threw everybody through for a loop here. There were pieces that were bullshit, pieces that were bullish. So I was right. <laughs> That's a good joke. So anyway, there. Bitcoin, Bitcoin in space. So Space Force might get paid with Bitcoin if they're up there. All right. Bitcoin in space. Bullish or bullshit? The answer is we don't know. The game is rigged. All right. So <laughs> are we going to move on? We have a mailbag slash rant slash roast, which is just a picture of some coins. Anybody want to tell me what we're looking at here? Oh. It was just a and picture it's of gone. nothing. And it's gone. All right. So. Um, before Are we, we doing sign a roast? us off, yeah, we're doing a roast. What's it? I just wanted to, I, I had only a piece of it displayed so that I could remember to, to read it off All the right. front, not to reveal. All right, it's portfolio but, roasting time. You know, I like roasting things and then eating them. All right, so I am going to send, should I send you the whole portfolio? Sure. Or do you want me to sure, read let me off? see. Just give it to me. There's 10 in give this one. Th- There's 10 All in right. this give one. It to me, give it to me. Give me the whole picture. Where's it coming? All right. 
DM. DM Discord. The DDM. Got it. All right. Check your DMs. Here we go. And this is from... Yeah, who are we roasting here? We are roasting Patreon supporter Early Adopter 310. Early Adopter... Th- oh, we were going to even talk about him at the end of the episode because he was new. All right. Well, there's first of all, there's 10 coins here, so I've got a lot to say. We've got, we've got a lot to discuss. Look, he starts with Bitcoin and Ethereum. It's unoriginal, but we can't really talk about you know it being a problem. Just great. Well, look at you. You're so new and crazy. Bitcoin and Ethereum. He's got more Bitcoin than Ethereum. Taking a real stance here. Um, next, And that was 35%, 26%. Those two. Next best coin up is a Crypty nominee, Cardano, at 9%. You know what? Anytime you've got a Crypty nominee in your portfolio, one, you're either a fucking bandwagon fan, or two, you're not stupid. So, uh... Seeing as the cryptics haven't been released yet, <laughs> I'm going to go with the, not bandwagon fan as the option. But in the future, you're probably going to be a bandwagon <laughs> fan. Next up, we got By Ethereum Classic. He's already got Ethereum. Can't take a stance on Ethereum versus Ethereum Classic. Got to have both. Okay. Let me guess. You're going to have Bitcoin Cash in here too? <laughs> oh, no, he doesn't. No Bitcoin Cash. All right. Made a stance. XRP is the next biggest holding. We have we have a what what do we call the ripple believers the 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 what is the Toy Story thing oh, yeah, called what, what are, are those, those things um, that picture's great it, the XR, it, it's it, in the founding members chat I put it in he there. doesn't have Stellar so any, there's oh wait yeah he does okay never mind <laughs> <laughs> I was about to yell at you for not having Stellar XRP is just worse than Stellar what are you doing okay so he's got he's got Ripple in here a little bit triggered but that's okay. Uh, got he's got Monero, so clearly he's dealing drugs. Um, Light Litecoin is in there. He forgot to sell when Charlie Lee decided to implode the project, and he's he's got uh, he's he's got Stellar in there. Since I already yelled at you for Ripple, I'll be all right with you on Stellar. That's that's good. But only three percent. What the fuck? I don't even know what Zill is. So. You should. It's it's in like the top. Nah, I 30 should or fuck something. that. We've it's never. Zaquilla. If we haven't done a one on one on it, it's shit. So get what is that doing there? Don't give me any of these. Don't don't be sending me any coins that we haven't talked about. And finally, we have ontology at 0.45 percent. So apparently, he wants to have his identity, but also doesn't want to have his identity because he's got ontology. No, no, no. And that Monero. feels like that feels like he he used to own Neo, got his airdrop, sold his Neo, was it just forgot to sell? His oh ontology. yeah, he forgot the the forget <laughs> to sell. Yeah, that's uh that's great. Overall, I'm gonna give this portfolio a uh, let's see, let's give it a grade of uh, let's give it a grade of Bernie Madoff because if you, what. <laughs> What? <laughs> this segment has gone off the rails. I, I am stepping in. This is not a, Mer- a Bernie Madoff portfolio. This is, uh, he's getting a Vanguard grade of diversification <laughs> of sectors, uh, of properly handling market caps. Congratulations. Brent has been. I don't think Kareem understands <laughs> what roast the portfolio is. Kareem's one of, Kareem shows up to the roast of Shaq and he just gets up there and he's like, He's oh, a great player. He's a why great basketball player. I don't know why anybody's talking about I know free he throws. Shoot free throws. 
Uh, yeah. But he's so tall and he's really cool and funny. <laughs> I start crying. Leave Shaq alone. Leave him alone. <laughs> do they have a roast of they Shaq? They probably do. He's got to have been roasted. Yeah, they right? should, like, man. I would have watched that. It, it has I would not happened. Have watched it has that. not happened because I haven't seen it. Oh, okay. Amazing. That's like coins not existing if we haven't covered them in 101s, which is something I just right, said. Right. All right. Enough. That was the joke. Congratulations. So so Kareem loves you. All right. So. Just what the fans are looking for. <laughs> a little Kareem love. <laughs> All right. You know what I would love? I would love you guys showing our Patreon supporters some love. Yes. Patreon supporter love. This is the first flagship of the year. Patreon has only been open for a little while. We have really felt the love. It has been awesome. We we went out asking for a dollar an episode. Y'all responded. It's been great. We're still not breaking even, but we're getting there. So Patreon has been awesome. We uh, love, appreciate the support. Uh, every flagship, we are going to announce the new Patreon members. And then the last flagship of every month, we're going to recap all of the Patreon members that are in the Secure Node and Master Node layers. So we have some new members, and I apologize in advance to one of you. Uh, we have Boris, actually probably two of you now that I'm reading Boris's last name. Uh, Bur- Boris, <laughs> early adopter 310, Boychev. Uh, we've got Fancy Dan, and we have Shupeng Huang. I'm sorry. <clears throat> no, that wasn't too bad. And we would also like to remind all our Patreon supporters that Brent has committed to spend $0 on cookies and cake. All of this money is going straight towards the podcast. So, But if you want to support some bullshit, I think I started a fundraiser for a wall on Facebook. So you can, uh, since that's not going to get to its $1,000 goal, I've raised, don't encourage I've raised $40 so far. I'm going to spend that on cookies. Guys, don't, don't. Don't encourage him. This is, this is bad. <laughs> All right. Is there anything else that we would like to tell the audience before we wrap up this Friday flagship, guys? Why, yes, we would, Kareem. So if you wouldn't mind subscribing to the show wherever you listen to the podcast or on YouTube, rate us on iTunes or wherever you listen to the show. Give us an honest rating. It really helps us out. And honestly, I I think my favorite part of creating this show was discovering Discord and realizing the power of it. And if you want to be in the conversation, you want to be involved Join our Discord. Check the show notes. It is it is probably the best program I found of, of 2018. Oh, fantastic. It would have won a crypty for best program of 2018 oh, if we had it. Oh, that wasn't a category. That wasn't we can a category. add it for next year. <laughs> Software of the year. All right. Well, thank you so much for that, Mike. And one last thing I would like to remind you that the members of the Crypto Basic Podcast are not financial advisors, if that wasn't made totally clear by Brent's ramblings. Uh, we don't know how to evaluate a portfolio, so don't listen to us for financial advice. Thank you so much for listening with Brent Philbin, Michael Lockie. My name is Kareem. This has been Crypto Basic. Crypto Basic.